When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a Friday road show here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. We invite you out. Husker Volleyball in action tonight against, I don't want to say dreaded, but uh, the rival, Penn State. Elijah Herbal back in studio. I'm shedding a tear. He looks a little frustrated with that, but he'll manage. <laughs> we're, uh, we're here four to six in La Vista here between Cabela's and the Embassy Suites. You know what? It's going to be one of them throwback ball games on Saturday night. You got to pack a fullback, and I don't think either team has one, so we brought one in. The Hall of Famer, <laughs> Joel McAvick, I have conned you into sitting in with me, dude. I'm telling you. And listen, I didn't know I was going to be on camera. And then, <laughs> and then, and then you're talking fullback, and I have such a pencil neck oh, right now. Like, uh, I used to have a bigger neck, and, and so being did on you, camera. Did you go neck roll or no? I, I went cowboy collar. They called him the cowboy collar. Well, explain that to me because some of us can talk football, <laughs> but we're great at playing Actually, it. It's kind of like a neck roll. It helps support the neck. You, you wear it under the pads, and then it comes through. So it just gives people that block a little more support for the neck. But, uh, yeah, that's my one, my one biggest thing right now is I got such a pencil neck that people are like, I could probably give, you know, two or three series, but I don't want to block anybody because I'd hurt my neck. It's just All right, so neck. you're telling me you have, you have graduated <laughs> yeah. to the, the, uh, the, third, the, the third option yes. flat dump would, off? Yes. Just throw me the ball. Just, right? throw it. just throw me. I think I could still carry it a little bit. Throw me the ball, but don't make me iso ball. Did they ever dump off down to you? Yeah. Hey, Chris, I have a couple touchdown catches. Okay. I know you have oh, runs. Yes, I have a I've couple touchdown catches. I've offended Joel McAvick. Yeah. Yes. I just, you know, no one in Nebraska didn't throw it a time. No, we didn't. But we, you know what, actually, the last couple of years, they started doing some fullback stuff in the flats and, and actually some um, – play action off the ISO fake and then you slip the linebacker and you go downfield. So we actually got included in the pass game a little bit. Now, did I have 25 catches? No. You know, maybe four or four I, or five I know, catches. I know you drew about three or four different holding penalties. That's true. That's true. Right, as they'd fake it to you, then you'd run between the hashes yeah. and yeah. someone's hanging on for dear life. Absolutely. Joel McAvick is with us. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. A busy show coming up here around 4.30. Uh, we'll spend time with Lars Anderson. He will sound off on what's happened to Nebraska football and his take on Mickey Joseph, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman with us in hour two and uh, Joel McAvicka kicking things off McAvicka physical therapy brother you've been traveling you've been mm-hmm. busy uh, you have so many different uh, locations around the, the state of Nebraska congrats on what you're doing and man uh, it's been a long strange trip this season for football but 
a game right. for first place yeah, Saturday know, night. It's it's crazy what the, where they come from, how we began. So you know, and I think I think Husker fans are excited. I think this team has a little bit of confidence now, and that's that's what they've missed for you know a long time. You you lose these close games, and I think uh, what I see. They before this win, they had ten one-score games that they lost in a row, and and that's unheard of. There's not many teams that have done that in the last 20 years. So this team lacked a little bit of confidence. So each of these wins, um, and especially close wins, I think that gives the team a little confidence. So they should be excited. This is going to be this is going to be a tough game, though. This is other than Oklahoma. I think this is their toughest game to date. Absolutely agree with you. You mentioned uh, Dirk's column. <laughs> from the world herald and nebraska's in in the category both ways correct you have 10 consecutive one score losses that dated back to uh, a one score win friday night covid year against rutgers Mm -hmm. and then Bo and some of that magic in, in 2012 and 2013 where man they pulled some ball games out of the fire and they had cranked out 10 Ten wins in a row in yeah. one-score games. Now, on the big stage, it didn't go well sometimes, but uh, those guys had always bounced back. And Elijah and I have talked a lot about confidence, and I think that's one thing that, that Mickey and Bill Bush have done. Because Bill was down there for a little bit with you or See, no? He, he, a I GA think he might have no? been a GA, but yeah. at that time my head's swimming. I was younger because it would have been like 94. Right, so as a right. freshman, so my head's swimming. So he was. I think he was a GA in 94, but I didn't you know really know right. so I, I can't tell you if he was there when I was there but um, from everybody I talked to I mean he's been a lot of places he's been a lot to a lot of different schools he's coached under a lot of great coaches and a great st- and great staff so there's a lot of people I talk to that really like him mm-hmm. and I think the kids really like him I think the kids really like this staff and are playing hard for this staff with with coach Joseph and and it's hard you know I hear everybody's calling him Mickey, and that's just not who I am. And it was always Coach Osborne, Coach Solich, and, and, and mm-hmm. it's Coach Joseph. But uh, I think they've, they've done a great job kind of stabilizing the ship right now. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they finish the season. But uh, it's, it, uh, you know, it's kind of like you, you see Coach Joseph and you, and you want him to do really well because he's one of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's a Nebraska guy. I know he's not from Nebraska, but he played here. It's his alma mater. I think he really, really wants to do well here, and, and hopefully he gets his shot. It, it's an interesting dynamic if, if you're Trev because you've been pretty transparent, very transparent with your intention, and that is a national search. Mm-hmm. But you are absolutely supporting the guy who's stepping into the fire. And, oh, by the way, getting this team to play well or at least win some ball games in the meantime. So you've got the best of both worlds right now. You want Mickey to succeed. You want Mickey to, to go earn the job. Uh, on, in, in the same token, listen, uh, there's no reason you, you can't still have Mickey here on staff. Yes. Listen, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. If he doesn't become the head coach, I I mean, I think all of Nebraska. You're an idiot most, not to keep not to him. Keep LSU's it. an idiot not to yeah. still have him. If he wants to stay. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I think that'll be up to Mickey. But, but you're right. There's a deep candidate of, of coaches out there that I think we can go after. And I think Nebraska should be able to get and go after anybody they want or at least try. And, and this, is a, this is the stretch for, for Coach Joseph that it's going to, you know, Kind of It'll say tell the tale. it will because uh, what we the next four, five, six games are all against tough opponents. We'll probably be underdogs in every mm-hmm. single game the rest of the year. So, you know, if he gets this team to a bowl game, um, maybe think seven about five. that. Think about that. I mean, we we're coming back from Dublin, had an incredible time. The, the game was uh, a buzzkill for a lot of fans. 
but just the experience, Correct. wow. And then you get into it, and there's Georgia Southern, Scott's dismissed, and then after Oklahoma, Chins is, is let go. And, I mean, you want to talk about adversity. Correct. On top of all of these one-score losses and the confidence question, for this team to flip, see the, the proof of concept happen with Indiana, you're tied going into mm-hmm. the fourth. Uh, to find a way to win that rock fight last Friday night is and, and pretty those impressive. Are, those are the things that impressed me is the way they played in the second half. They were down 13-0 in, in, the, in the first half. It should have been 20. Yes, you know. and it should have been 20. <laughs> and, and the defense gave up uh, – the offense gave up seven points against Indiana, so the defense, I think, shut them out both, mm-hmm. both uh, second halves in both of those games. So, you know what, I – I did go through this at one point in my career with Arizona Cardinals. We fired a coach halfway through the season, and so um, I have I have some experience going through this. And, and, and we did it fi- jack you guys up? Well, see, it, it fired. We fired Vince Tobin, and and then uh, and now I'm drawing a blank on who we hired, but I'll get it. Um, but so we hired him, and, and yes, there's there's adversity, and, and you can't understand because Vince was the guy that drafted me. So mm-hmm. it's just like this, where where. Coach Frost was the was the one that recruited these guys, and so so there's this shock to it when when uh, your the coach that is your guy gets fired. But then, you know, the first game after that, there's a high energy, um, and and that was Oklahoma. But I don't I don't call that Oklahoma because they it was such kind of a, sh- a short week for that, and, and and they came out and ran into a buzzsaw at that time with Oklahoma. But but there is a different energy about it when when the new coach takes over and the guys kind of feel like there is some opportunity like other guys that weren't playing there's some opportunity to get some playing time and and I think that shows now like take away Oklahoma I think that shows what this staff and and coach Joseph has been able to do in these last couple games and this is I think going to be this the team that you see the rest of the year now does that produce wins we'll see Talk to me about Nebraska and, and the running attack because they Anthony Grant's a special back. Mm-hmm. You've got Irvin. You've got Yant. Uh, we'll see who else can carry the football. You've got a mileage caution right now with, with what Yant's been asked to do thus far in the O-line is the question mark. And tell you what, Elijah's uh, played a lot of O-line in his life, and he's got good insight yeah. on that. And there's just not holes right now. There's not time for five- or seven-step drops all the time so short passing game seems to be an option and that's something Whipple can do but what, what's your take here with the running game I mean I, they don't again they don't have a fullback to go yeah. go heavy uh, and they're not gonna listen I mean that's just not what they do and that's not what a lot of teams do right now but you hit it right on the head it's offensive line play needs to improve and and you can talk about how great backs are and Anthony Grant is is has the potential to be really good. And you see flashes of that and what he did early in the year now. He struggled a little bit. But but you talk about what he's done with this offensive line. The offensive line needs to improve. And, and they need to they need to find ways to kind of continue to get Anthony Grant the ball out of the backfield, even in the passing game. And, and I would love to see, you know, with this offensive line, Whipple start going to a f- some short passing game mm-hmm. and some quick passing, maybe roll the pocket a little bit. But as far as the running game, I think they've – as far as the running backs go, I think the running backs have done a, a pretty good job this year with, with what they had to have had to play with on the offensive line. And, and that's one of the biggest things I, I would love to see. And, and, again, I think this is how college football is going. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but, you know, when I was young, I could 
I could name every offensive lineman or every position player we had at Nebraska because been there a while. Well, yeah, and people <laughs> stayed around for four or five years. Now within a, we recruited so many offensive linemen in the last four years that were four-star guys that were supposed to be really good guys from South Dakota all across the country, Nebraska. Where are those guys? You know, that, that, that's the, the challenge is, is we seem like we don't have the talent there, but we have recruited guys for the last four years that were supposed to be really good. Either you misevaluate or you haven't developed or they were thrown in so young because of play-in time, mm-hmm. you really never had a bridge. You didn't have a year or two for a Corcoran to sit, a Prohaska to sit. It's get in there, yeah. son, and, yeah. and learn on the job. That's easier said than done. And then if you get dinged, that cuts in. I'm not making excuses. Yes. I'm giving yeah, no. the why. Correct. It cuts into some of your development time. There's no uh, Stai or or Zadiska or. And then we had it going. We like exactly. You guys said. stacked the talent yeah, on top of talent. We had it going, and and I think Will Shields was the only guy that ever played as a freshman. I on think the you're right. Line. It was that. That was the mentality when we got to Nebraska. Everybody was redshirting. Now. There was, as I got there, there was a few guys that didn't redshirt. Mon Green didn't redshirt. Grant Wistrom didn't redshirt. But it was known you were redshirting. You were developing that year. Freshman year, if you were good, you were playing on special teams, things like that. Sophomore year, you started getting playing time. And then people started junior, senior year. And that's what it was. I mean, and that was how the progression went at Nebraska and the foundation was set and how we developed people. And you're exactly right. We're throwing these guys in the fire. And I think – there's a lot of people that transfer that we don't even know about, or I don't know about. Mm-hmm. You are, because you obviously follow it every day. And then there's guys that got thrown in there, get banged up. There's other guys that haven't been developed that didn't turn out. And, and so that all, all of that consistently creates this to where we don't have any depth or we, we can't, as an offensive line, play in the Big Ten. And I don't want to say play in the Big Ten, but be consistently good in the Big Ten. There's a void. Correct. Joel Magavick is with us. Uh, Magavick of Physical Therapy. Hale Varsity Roadshow here at the Hale Varsity Club. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll check in with Lars Anderson here coming up. And uh, Joel, kind enough to, to pop on by on a Friday night. So a couple of minutes here, Joel. Yeah. Uh, break down here what happens. Need a prediction if you're if you're oh, so inclined, my friend. Man, I knew you were going to ask me this, I always ask, I didn't get in to ask how how's your golf game yeah, this no, last No, we year. don't want to know that, and, and we'll, just, we'll just go over the what joke it, is, uh, what'd you shoot today, Joel? What'd you <laughs> yeah, shoot today, see, Joel? And, it's, and I'll tell you, it's always awful is what I shoot. You're, <laughs> the point you're is, is you're out playing. <laughs> yeah, you're way better than I am. But, uh, no, hey, I'm not. <laughs> hey, this is this is one of those games where, listen, night game, again, it's going to be sold out. Purdue's going to be crazy. The gold out. Is it the gold out? I uh-huh. thought it was the blackout. That was uh, that was Rutgers, and that was me and Elijah after the ball game yeah, last Friday. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'll tell you what, I, it's going to be a hostile atmosphere. I think this is what I said. I watched Purdue. Purdue play Penn State and a mm. couple. Purdue is well coached. They, I mean, they do they run the ball? Let's offensively, do they run the ball very well? Absolutely not. But they know who they are, mm-hmm. and they're going to throw the ball 50, 55 times, and that's who they are. And they're going to keep Nebraska's defense honest with the run game, even though they might they'll run stay it. with it. Yes, they. That's what they'll stay with it. Just kind of like a professional team that does that. Um, Nebraska is going to, I think, struggle against their defense a little bit. I think this team. I, I think the keys to this team is can our offensive line keep um, Casey alive, Casey alive during mm-hmm. this game and, and, and keep him upright, and let's see if we can complete a little short passes and, and get the running game going. But defensively, I think 
we have to stop the run and just make them one-dimensional, which we can absolutely do that. I think they're going to get their points. And, and I don't know, I've never said this on the radio, but I think Purdue, Purdue gets us. Now, I think it's closer than the 14-point spread. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think Nebraska's playing with some confidence. I think these kids are, are flying around. I think they simplified it. The coaches may, have made them – um, play a lot faster. Mm-hmm. I think they're tackling on defense better. If the offensive line can step up, I think I think we can stay in this ball game. But I think it's going to be around a, a seven to ten point game. Where I don't think Nebraska gets it done. First to uh, to thirty in a lot of instances. Yeah. Ten seconds. Your take on the removal of the black shirts? You know what? It's ten seconds is hard. I I don't necessarily like it because when you have traditions, if you let them go out for so long do they ever come back and that's my 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 what i'm nervous about what i would have done is said hey if one person has played like a black shirt one person gets it if three people you don't have to give them to the whole Mm. starting 11 or starting or 15 give them to one or two people at least it's still around the program joel thank you man no problem to see you quick time out lars anderson on the way your child has brain cancer can you imagine hearing those words about your own child Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by Currency. We welcome in New York Times best-selling author, multiple times over, a native Lincolnite here in Nebraska, and a co-host to the Jay Barker Show. We say hi to Lars Anderson at Lars Anderson seventy-one. Lars, big weekend of college football, man. How you doing? Doing great, yeah. The, uh, the slate of games this week is as good as it's been all, all year, so it should be a really fun weekend. So we'll get to, to Bama, Tennessee, and the buzz down there in Titletown. Your thoughts, though, you always keep an eye on Nebraska. Mickey's pulled off something that's not happened since 2018, and that's back-to-back wins in Big Ten play. And, and Lars, as a, as a Nebraska fan, uh, so far, you know, this team looked – buried post-Ireland, and now they've resurrected a little bit. Yeah, they have. Um, you never thought that uh, going into Piscataway, New Jersey, and uh, beating Rutgers by one point would be such a monumental uh, undertaking. But here we are. And um, I've been very impressed with Mickey Joseph from, from afar, right? I mean, and this is... I don't have any sort of inside scoop here, but um, to me, the way he has acquitted himself, um, both uh, inside the locker room from you know talking to different reporters, and also just in, in front of uh, the media, and then how he is projecting himself, he's acting like a head coach. 
Um, you know, I put this out there on Twitter just that, that, that I think as of right now, he should be the guy. And, um, and, and sometimes, you know, the, 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 uh, a hire that isn't the big name, that isn't the sexy name, can really turn into something special. And there's a lot of parallels between Mickey Joseph and Dabo Sweeney. I wrote a book on Dabo called Dabo's World. And, you know, like Mickey Joseph, Dabo had never been a, uh, a coordinator before. Um, he'd never really been uh, on, the, on the radar of even being a coordinator. And, um, but, but what they noticed, what the athletic director at Clemson noticed was that players just gravitated to him, that when players had free time, they'd just be hanging out in Dabo's office, and, uh, and that he just had a way with um, going into living rooms and uh, on the recruiting trail and, and signing the, the top players uh, uh, in each class. I mean, Dabo was the sort of lead recruiter even though he was just a wide receivers coach. And you go back to what Mickey Joseph was able to do at, at LSU and all of those guys that he was able to sign from, from uh, Jefferson, best wide receiver probably in the NFL right now, to Mark Chase, probably the second best wide receiver in the NFL right now. And, and he has said this, maybe not directly, but kind of indirectly, um, actually, I think he has said it directly, that, that recruiting is paramount. Recruiting is everything. And Scott Frost, for whatever reason, just, you know, we're, we're hearing these really disturbing reports that he missed, he missed like recruiting calls and, and just uh, and really sort of put recruiting on the back burner. Well, I can tell you, that uh, having a front row seat to what Nick Saban has done here in Alabama, recruiting is everything. I mean, they recruit every single day. Nick Saban, you know, 25 minutes after winning a national championship, he's on the phone talking to recruits. <laughs> it's just, it, it never stops. And, and one of Nick's pet phrases is, it's the horses, not the jockey. And that obviously means it's the players. And yes, you need to be a developmental program. You need to, especially at Nebraska, you're going to need to take three stars and turn them into four stars. You need to take four stars and turn them into five star quality of player. And I think Mickey understands that. And also, I think the fact that he's the first African American to be a head coach at Nebraska in any sport which blew my mind when I read that stat and heard about it. And I thought that was really just disturbing, really disturbing and embarrassing for Nebraska. But I, I think he has done enough, at least in this short amount of time, to at least warrant serious consideration. And then you look at what Trev Albers, you look at his reaction after Mickey got his first win and presented him the game ball and was in the middle of that scrum of players jumping up and down as if Trev was uh, back on the team and they were teammates. You can't tell me that Mickey Joseph is not going to get a serious look from Trev. I mean, I think Trev has a, a, a deep personal affection for Mickey. 
And uh, I've just been so impressed, again, with him when uh, the camera is on. And, and man, he is, he is authoritative. He is definitive. Uh, he's humble. And he, he takes uh, um, a responsibility for things that don't go right. In other words, he's the exact opposite of Scott Frost. You know, rest in peace your career, Scott Frost. Uh, maybe he'll be a coordinator at the high school level again someday. But that, that, that hire of Scott Frost, and look, I think we all lauded it at the time. But by, it's by far and away the worst hire in the history of not just Nebraska football, but in, of Nebraska athletics. I mean, just a colossal disaster. Colossal disaster as a head coach. And, you know, maybe someday some enterprising young reporter will, will really dig into the story behind the story of the, of the failures of, of Scott Frost and kind of uh, uh, rip apart fact from fiction because there's so many rumors about him. But uh, I, I think Mickey's done a great job. And uh, and I, I really do think he deserves a, a look, at least, to uh, be the next head coach at Nebraska. So taking off an AD hat, putting on a fan hat, are you sold on Mickey completely, or are you still watching other candidates? I, I guess I'm asking, are you going to be following what the results look like to finish the season? As Nebraska enters the stretch run, they have some bigger opponents coming up on their schedule. Are, are those results Huge game Saturday. I mean, yeah, huge game Saturday. Another one. Uh, in a couple of weeks against Illinois. Are you going to be following those results to, to gauge your own opinion of Mickey Joseph, or are you already sold on it? I think uh, you can't necessarily judge it on results, but you can judge it on the heart and tenacity and the effort of the players, right? Mickey didn't recruit these kids. I mean, these are this is Scott's, this is Scott's mess that he's inheriting. And, um, and, and the one thing that you loved that you saw on Friday night in Piscataway was they didn't give up. They didn't blink. And I loved how Mickey described it as, as, a, as a street fight, you know, and it's a street fight. Street fights don't really have a, a time limit. <laughs> street fights go until somebody drops. And, and, that, and, that's, and I love this, like, Mickey Joseph, can, he can talk in a way that resonates with players. And, um, and, and so I, if I were Trev, I would be looking as much at the effort and then uh, the result. And, uh, yeah, Nebraska, it, look, it, it, they, they have a challenging schedule coming up. But, um, you know, <laughs> again, this is – Mickey inherited a, a, an absolute dumpster fire. And uh, if he could somehow turn around and get this team to a bowl, um, it would be, uh, I think, a, a tremendous accomplishment. But uh, I, I think the, the first measuring stick that Trev should use is how do the players respond? How do they um, perform on the field just in terms of effort level and discipline and, uh, and, and, improve, and and improvement and development and um, and, and you know, I know that Trev is there every day at practice. Um, it, it, he he's got to be one of the most involved ads in the country when it comes to being a part of the football program. 
Um, and uh, this this hire that Trev makes will define his career at Nebraska, and also will um, ultimately decide how long he will be at Nebraska. Like it, it, it's not just uh, the, the next coach who is involved in this. It's it's Trev. I mean, his ass is on the line as much as anyone. And so, uh, you know, he's not going to hire Mickey just because they're buddies. But, um, you know, there will be a good sample size, and we'll be able to see just exactly, uh, you know, how the team performs. Lars Anderson with us, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow here at the Hale Varsity Club. Awesome to spend time with Joel Makovica. He's hanging out here, having a, uh, we say it's a Sprite. He's having a diet Sprite <laughs> right now. Uh, more with Lars as we continue as he, uh, we get Lars's take on, on the Big Red and Lars, a native Lincolnite, so you know he's following the program. We'll get Lars's thoughts also on Bama, Tennessee, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hail Varsity Club in La Vista, so you're invited out, and uh, we're here till 6. Get a seat for Nebraska, Penn State tonight, volleyball at 7.30. If you can't get a seat there, totally get it, uh, but uh, great over 30 HDs here, and then the, of course, projection uh, screen that is, well, bigger than my basement wall. Uh, speaking of tickets, how about red zone tickets selling fun since 2001? Uh, can't get to a game, or you're looking for tickets to uh, Nebraska football or volleyball? How about Creighton basketball? They are a Final Four favorite this year. Concerts, theater, NFL action, uh, redzonetickets.com is where you log on. They are local. They're great people from Omaha. And they're your reliable source for tickets and A-plus Better Business Bureau rating 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll receive authentic tickets and experiences you'll never forget. Check that item off your bucket list. Do so today and create the memories that do last a lifetime. Redzonetickets.com. Give them a shout today. Log on. Redzonetickets.com. More with Lars Anderson. Find him on Twitter at LarsAnderson71. He has put together uh, 13 New York Times best-selling books. Uh, of course, his documentary with uh, Showtime on Lawrence Phillips. We'll get his take. Front and center on Bama, Tennessee. More on the Big Red as well. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Couple more minutes, Lars Anderson with us, Hale Varsity Radio, co-host Jay Barker Radio, and a New York Times bestselling author. I think your point about how it looks is very key because Nebraska's looking like a football team again. They've been coached up. They've been more confident, and, and that's a big feather in Mickey's cap. The Nebraska job, Lars, you're a national guy. Uh, you have a number of candidates and names associated with could Nebraska go after? Leipold, Aranda, Campbell, K- Kleiman, uh, Matt Rule just came on the market this week. You have a few openings. You may have Auburn also open up. You know, what? what's your – what number do you put – next to Nebraska out of 10 from an attractiveness standpoint. It's going to take a certain type of coach that, that will be able and need to be able to develop around the Midwest. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's why uh, I, you know, and I, I reported this earlier that, uh, that right at the beginning of all of this, Matt Campbell was target number one, two, three, mm-hmm. because he does know the lay of the land of the Midwest. And, and just because Iowa State has not had the season that uh, they had hoped for, I don't think in any way knocks Campbell out of consideration. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Auburn – is really is going to target uh, Hugh Freeze at Liberty. Hugh Freeze has kind of uh, done his time for the crimes that he committed at uh, at Ole Miss, and uh, and Freeze just kind of fits the culture at Auburn. Um, Matt Rule to me, he just and, and and Aranda, neither of those guys really seem like great fits. Leopold, I think, could. But is there enough of a, a track record? I mean, yes, I know he turned around Buffalo. He's turned around programs. He's done a, a, an incredible job at, at Kansas. Um, but I'm uh, not, not sure that he would be sort of number one on my list. I, I still think uh, if I'm Trev, I, I try to do everything I can to get Matt Campbell interested. And if Nebraska somehow come down, to I don't know between Mickey and, and, and Matt Campbell that'd be a, a, a tough uh, a tough call, but no I mean Nebraska is not viewed as as an elite uh, job anymore it's just not because it's it's been so long but you know what neither was Tennessee right Tennessee has been garbage for about 15 years and you suddenly get Josh Heupel in there who at the time I didn't think it was a very good hire. And what he has done in, in, in now just his second season is, is just truly remarkable. You know, Tennessee's playing their most important game on Saturday in about 25 years, since 1998. And it's been, this is the first time since 1998 that Tennessee is playing Alabama as an undefeated team. And if, if Tennessee can somehow win this game, suddenly Hendon Hooker will go right to the top of the Heisman Trophy uh, candidacy. Uh, Tennessee will climb in the polls to probably two or three, and uh, and you know we'll, we'll see what happens. But he's doing this with um, yes, he used a transfer portal. He got one good recruiting class in there. And can Nebraska do the same kind of thing? Can they turn things around as quickly as as uh, as Josh has turned things around at Tennessee? And I, I really think there's parallels between Tennessee and Nebraska. I've always thought that. And um, and, and and look, I, I think Trev should be on the phone talking to Danny White, who's the head, who's the uh, uh, AD at, at Tennessee. And just saying, just asking him questions about how has Josh done this? What characteristics about Josh did you see when you hired him? Uh, and uh, and then, you know, Trev just I'm, I'm sure he's doing this mm-hmm. just uh, on a massive fact finding uh, mission right now. And um, look, I, I think Trev is is uh, poised to do a really good job. Uh, I think he's smart. Um, the time of his hire, I wasn't a huge fan because of it because it's just like we got all these Nebraska, former Nebraska guys here running the program, and it's just not working. It hasn't worked for 20 years now. 
but let's, uh, but hey, uh, well, let's get another Nebraska quarterback in there. I can't believe I'm saying that. But let's get another <laughs> Nebraska quarterback as the head coach <laughs> and see what happens. But um, yeah, I, I just it, it's not viewed as an elite job. And look, Matt Campbell turned down USC last year. Um, so he, I think he could be difficult to lure away from Ames, Iowa, for whatever reason. And I'm sure you guys have been to Ames. And, yep, it's uh, been a while. Not a lot going on there. Been a while, but <laughs> yeah. he's he's pretty loyal. Lars, we'll wrap with this. What happens Saturday uh, in Knoxville? Does Bama find a way, or are they in trouble? I think Bama will find a way. Uh, I think Bryce Young is going to play. You know, he sat out last week uh, with a sprained shoulder. Uh, Nick Saban has him on what he has described as a pitch count in practice. And I think even an 80% uh, Bryce Young will enable Alabama to get the job done. Yeah, Tennessee has put up huge numbers on offense. They've got the top offense in the country, 570 yards per game. But they haven't gone against a defense like Alabama's. Alabama, conversely, on offense, they're the number three rushing offense in the country. And, uh, and, and you, once Bryce is, again, just uh, 75 80% of himself, I think Alabama wins. And I think they win pretty easily. I, I think uh, that Las Vegas, I, I know, I think Bama's favored by seven, but I think Vegas and, and others have been sort of seduced by the story of Tennessee and the revival. But, look, the, the, the Florida quarterback, Richardson, threw for 452 against them. Uh, I mean, it's not like Tennessee can really stop people. It's going to be a high-scoring game, I think. But uh, what, what the problem with Alabama that they've had, it's just been completely self-inflicted wounds. It's, it's turnovers. It's penalties, it's missed assignments, and it, it, it's stuff that is driving Nick absolutely crazy. And um, But I think they get it cleaned up on Saturday, and I think they win pretty easily. Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, co-host Jay Barker's show. Follow Lars on Twitter at LarsAnderson71. Lars, thanks for a few minutes, man. We'll catch up here down the road and enjoy your football Saturday. Hey, you guys too, and uh, hopefully I'll be back in, in Lincoln here in, in a couple of weeks and we can uh, hang out in the studio and have fun. Got a seat for you, bud. Take care. All right. Take care, guys. Good to spend time with Lars Anderson. Really fun first hour. Joel McAvicka and, uh, of course, Lars Anderson. In hour two, Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, the professor, NBC Sports, will be with us. Clausburn, uh, he's imaginary and he wears red. We'll have the Friday forecast going on at 5.40. Brady Oltman's uh, live from uh, West Lafayette. Elijah Herbal back in studio. And Chris Schmidt here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista between Cabela's and uh, just right down the road from Embassy Suites. Elijah, you can't have a beer, but if you were going to, what can I order you? Oh, it's, it's a blue moon kind of Friday. A little bit, you want little a blue bit moon. cool, but still not like cold. It's a- Feels like a blue moon kind of day. Okay, I'll get you a blue moon for me, and we'll have a hail ale. We'll wind down hour one. We were presented here by Currency. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. 
One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity here at the Hale Varsity Club. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment, financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Bruce has come down all the way from Wahoo. Bruce has been listening for, well, let's just say they, they've had a few uh, conference championships as long as Bruce has been listening. It was great, though, Elijah. Bruce thought that that joel was was you is this elijah is like well no it's it's uh it's it's husker fullback hall of famer joel makavica i am taking that as a compliment that's what i said and and (laughs) makavica is still smiling about it did you ever makavica is over there tweeting oh excuse me uh, checking his mail but brother did you get your your picture signed because there's a cover of hail varsity on the the wall here uh, as you walk into Hale Varsity Club, you can turn right and throw things at me. You can turn left and go to the bar. And there's all these great covers of, of Hale Varsity magazine. And uh, the uh, the cover that we love is, is Joel McAvicka, the fullback, uh, killing Sooners. So his uh, his... His uh, his cover is on the wall here, and DeMornay signed his cover. We got to get Searles up here to sign his cover. Uh, and, and, yeah, you've got uh, Joel. Uh, I think he signed his cover, maybe. I mean, it's 100 feet high, and we need a, we need a fireman's ladder. That's not a short joke, I promise. It's, it's just it's that tall. It's that tall. I'll just say, but, uh, I, I, uh, I hope I look as good as Joel whenever I'm 40, so I'm, I'm taking that as a compliment. That, that man is, uh, I mean, unaging. Good for him. Well, and, and for, for him to say, yeah, I rocked the cowboy collar, uh, back in the day, uh, I think Makovic is fibbing a little bit. I think he could totally give you, heck, he'd, he'd give you, he'd give you a game. Not not three series, not four plays. He'd give you, he'd give you plenty of downhill options. Numbers to get in. It's four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Uh, is Dave still on hold? I'm I believe so uh, Dave should be in line with us still, yeah. Dave, right, Dave go let's sneak Dave in. Dave, thanks for hanging on, bud. Go ahead. Yeah, no problem. I was a thought that I've had is why would a coach from the Big Twelve want to leave now? Because think about it, the big dogs are gonna be leaving, Texas and Oklahoma, so pretty soon you're gonna have a chance once the playoffs are expanded. You're gonna have a chance if you're Kansas or Iowa State, or Kansas, or Kansas State. State, or You're going to be the big dog, Dave. Exactly. And with the conferences or the divisions going away in, in the Big Ten, let's face it, everybody, Ohio State, Michigan, get used to a steady dose of that every freaking year. So why would somebody want to leave? It just comes down, well, that's going to be the trick. I mean, it's going to be a big payday, and it's going to be – to that right person if it's not mickey the mystique of nebraska the appeal to to resurrect and and be able to do it and and i'll add here dave the fact that you're taking a gamble staying in the big 12 that five years from now the big 12 is still going to be relevant we're, we're assuming with college football playoff expansion they're, they're, they're making they're a great argument relevant. this year they're making a good they're, argument this year but we don't know what five years from now looks like you know the big 10 is still going to be relevant in five years that's yeah, but let's face it, though, the Big 12, if you are the dude then from then on, I mean, you could you could reach Tom Osborne's status at any one of those four schools in the Big 10 if you can make your program 
the next Oklahoma or Texas in the Big Ten. Dave, we got to rock out. But thanks for your patience. Thanks for your phone call. Hour two next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity. We are presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Big thanks to Joel McAvickas. He's got a receiving line here to help him out the door. Cranach has popped by. And uh, we welcome in the pride of Fairbury, the professor. NBC Sports, Bill Dolman with us, Elijah Herbal, Clasburn coming up here in about uh, 40 minutes or so. Billy D, you have had a week to analyze, pontificate, research this dreaded gold out tomorrow night in, in West Lafayette. West Lafayette, my friend, how are we doing today? Oh, no. I told Bill that his mic was working great, and now it's not working great. This is on Elijah Herbal. <laughs> and action. And action. Oh, no. Oh, this, this. Oh, oh. Heard him for a second. And he's, he's now swearing at you. What are we doing here? It's a great question. Okay. There it is. Not, yeah, there, there, there we is. go. There we go. There we go. We got you. Hey, Bill, Bill. Turn, turns out the headphones, bad idea. It's not working great for you, as I, as I told you just a couple minutes ago. I'm not hearing you at all. You don't hear any of us in, anymore? Is that true or no? Mm, that would seem to be true. Let's get this figured out because it shouldn't be happening. Um, Bill's like, no, I, there's no worry at all when it comes to uh, to Purdue and Nebraska. So we will connect with uh, Bill Dolman <laughs> uh, in just a little bit. What, what are we doing here, Elijah? Are we going to just phone him? Uh, I am texting Bill right now and getting this figured out. He's waving at you. So he can be on camera and, and hold his phone up. Now he's, yeah, now he's kicking the dog. No, he wouldn't do that. I'm joking. I'm joking. But we're here at the uh, Hale Varsity Club. What is really awesome is... The fact there's Husker Volleyball tonight. It's a packed house. It's Nebraska. It's Penn State. Jacob Padilla is going to have amazing coverage of that event on HaleVarsity.com and magazine for you. Uh, If you can't be there, you can sure as heck watch uh, because Hale Varsity Club here in La Vista is incredible. 30 TVs, the Jumbotron uh, projection right in front of the bar as well. Man, is uh, the place... uh, playoff baseball going on as we speak so that's where we're at we're going to spend time with bill dolman here in a minute once we get uh, all things figured out technically are we 
Uh, Steven asks me if I've had any Woodford Reserve. No, I am just working on Red Bull. Bill, do we have you, bud? I don't know. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we have you. Okay, you hear us, you see us, we hear you, we see you. Turns out it just needed a good old-fashioned case of turning it off and back on again. Ah, Okay, a reboot. Bill, level of concern. What's the DEFCON level here for tomorrow night? We'll start there. Well, you asked me earlier about um, the gold out, which I believe that there will be. Um, we've, we've seen some big games at Purdue in recent history where when they have tried to get people to come to their stadium, people have showed up. And it worked out quite well when they beat Ohio State. What was that, three, four years ago? Pretty emotional victory with mm-hmm. you know the fan who has since passed away. But that was an emotional night, and their fans tend to respond. If you go back three or four years, that was a, a, a snops bottle kind of game atmosphere where you can hear it tip over and there's nobody there and those are the toughest places to play so i i was heartened to hear what mickey had to say in his one of his pressers earlier this week that we welcome that kind of crowd because when there's an atmosphere there's excitement there's energy and if you got to play the us against the world kind of card then then that's a lot easier to get up for and and get excited about going into the game then if you walk out for pregame warm-ups they tell you it's a sellout and there's you know 50 percent of the crowd is there so i i think at least going into the first quarter that there's going to be some adrenaline adrenaline flowing on both sides and that that that's that bodes well now you have to play well early and maybe take that crowd out of it but if you get behind early you're probably not going to climb back up the hill Bill Dolman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, another factor in this game tomorrow is uh, – well, we, we've lost Schmitty briefly, so good thing I'm uh, going with this question – is uh, the, the pressure that's going to be on Nebraska in this one. Uh, I think Husker fans and the team alike know that they're tied atop the Big Ten West, and this could very well be an elimination game in one of these teams' race uh, to, to capture a Big Ten West crown. So what do you make of that pressure in this Husker football team? It's more pressure than they've faced really in any game over the past four seasons, and it feels big. And, and I, I guess, do you trust Mickey Joseph to have this team in the right headspace in order to, to have a good performance in West Lafayette tomorrow night? Well, the answer to the second half of that is, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I trust him to have the team where it's supposed to be, now, whether they uh, have followed suit, that remains to be seen. I disagree with this being the most important game in, in the last couple of years. I think the most important game for Nebraska was really last week. You know, you've got, in fact, the last two weeks, you've had the, the two games that after Oklahoma, people said, well, if you're going to win any games, it's got to be Indiana or Rutgers. And after what happened against Oklahoma, I don't know. Well, you know you give Mickey a little bit of time to get that team ready to go and get in the right mindset. And they responded well, played the first complete game in a long time in beating Indiana. You go on the road against a supposed sellout and the the one other game on your schedule that people said you might be able to win was Rutgers. They're down 13, nothing at halftime and they come back and win it. I think the pressure was last week, this week. It's, you know what you, you've, You've shown that you can play some good football. You've got some heart. I, I think the most, important, uh, the most pressure was on the last couple of weeks, that this one as you go in, and you're 13-point underdogs, 14-point underdogs. There shouldn't be a ton of pressure on you. So uh, I think you go out and play a little more loose. I don't think you should have any pressure on you at all right now. 
Bill Dolman's with us. Bill, we're taking requests. The sound system works here. Uh, so, uh, wondering what, what's going on. <laughs> yeah, what what do you want to hear next, Bill? Uh, what what type of song represents tomorrow night? Uh, if you were to put a title and tune together for Nebraska Purdue, Gold Dust Woman, something like that. Don't well, stop believing. I mean, I mean, you know me. I'm kind of in the. Uh, all my music's kind of the same. So something you know by Van Morrison or Danzig. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay there you know we 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 played the heck out of um out of, out of van morrison uh in, in ireland i mean I, I don't know that we can get any more plays out of there so with nebraska here let's let's get to a couple of key points here bill it's defensive line right what's Purdue's d line do against nebraska's offensive line and flip it around you have a dare i say vulnerable Purdue offensive line, the way that uh, that front seven's been playing for uh, for Nebraska and for Coach Bill Bush. Uh, I think, you know, if Nebraska's going to keep this thing close, you have a, a chance to, to really uh, tee off, right, on O'Connell and first things first, stop the run. But, you know, Nebraska's D-line can, can make this thing uh, tight and, and be a difference maker. Well, Nebraska's defensive line should be playing, you know, fairly, and I go back to what I said earlier, should be playing fairly loose. And I think based on what we've seen Bill Bush do with that defense the last couple of weeks, and Mickey, you know, Mickey said in the press conference, what's the biggest uh, change in the defense? We changed defensive coordinators. Okay. Uh, Don't need to read between the lines there. But I think things have kind of simplified for that for that defensive unit, especially along the front. And and I thought Garrett Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis the last uh, couple of games have played with a lot more freedom. And I think that maybe that goes for everybody along the front and along, you know, the, the backers. I think the secondary has been fairly solid for the most part. And certainly last weekend with three interceptions, you know, that continues. But I, I just think things have kind of simplified. And guys are just playing under the concept of if you see the ball, you go get the ball. And you go hit the guy with the ball. And, you know, if, if you got it simplified and you give some guys like um, Nelson and, and Mathis that kind of freedom and those guys up front, you know, rotate a little bit. You know, Robinson said some great things about how he's feeling with his game right now. I just think that that's, you know, everything is trending in the right direction. Now, whether it's, you know, got a lot of momentum, I don't know. But it just seems like guys are playing relaxed with some spirit with some freedom and um, Purdue's got a couple of banged up running backs so stopping the run they may not have to they may rely on O'Connell to throw it 55 60 times and if that's the case then you go get that guy who's dropping back and you know <laughs> give him the, what the kind of treatment that Casey Thompson's been getting you know the last few games and on the other side Nebraska's offensive line has not been great but there's a little more rotation. Maybe they're a little fresher. I think there is going to be pressure on that offensive line, not just to protect Casey, but to create some type of run game for Nebraska. They've got to average more than two and a half yards per carry, which is what I think the average has been the last two games. So Nebraska can have sustained drives, three minutes, four minutes. And even if you get just three points out of a three or four minute drive, if that can take Purdue out of its offensive rhythm, and tire their defensive down a little bit, then I think everything trends toward Nebraska in this game. But if it's short drives and no run game production, then it could be a long night. 
Vic in Denver chimes in. Bill, looks like the professor role is kind of rough on him. Teaching millennials must be rough. Hey, 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 let's let's make one thing clear. <laughs> Bill's not even teaching millennials anymore. He's teaching Gen Zers. I, I'm like the last of the millennials. He, Bill's teaching kids that were born in 2004. How crazy is that? That's Gen that Z. is nuts. But yeah, uh, no. the kids are keep. I just I just brought my dog in from a walk, and it's like 40 mile an hour wind here in the southwest or southeast Lincoln. So ease up on the aged look. It's just a just a, a little wind blown, you know. I got a little Baywatch thing going on in October. <laughs> as long as it's the bronze tan and uh, the stepside SUV and not the midnight uh, phone call, uh, Baywatch, yeah. right? Yeah. Here, uh, here you go, Vic. Does that matter? You know. Vic hammers everybody. It's okay, and, and he'll buy you a drink anyway. Vic's loving this. It's a terrible laughing emoji. That is a laughing emoji. Yeah, that's that's back. fine. Bill Dolman, <laughs> the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, the professor with us. Connor Clark has made it to West Lafayette. We will uh, no doubt uh, blame the loss on him if that happens tomorrow. So this is it, – it's funny how things have shaken out, Bill, to where the team's at right now. To your point, Rutgers was huge. They found a way. I, I'm right with you with the belief being very real with this team. And, and I think you're right. And Elijah and I spent quite a bit of time on it earlier in the week, the, the, the pressure factor, right? This football team and programs lived and died with, with every result or near miss for X number of years. And is this the one that gets our coach or coordinator popped? Right. I mean, that's that's been it's been a weight on their shoulders. You flip it around now. And I'm not saying that. All right. The season's uh, a bust. Just go out there and see what you can do. No, I don't think that's Mickey's approach either. But Purdue it was a, a co-favorite for this race. Right. So if you want to be honest about it, it really is about Purdue protecting home field against a team that has no business being in the West race, except they are. You know, this game, uh, and I mentioned it on the Connor Clark show yesterday uh, with Grant this Jensen. Plugs galore. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, this game reminds me a bit of the Michigan State set up a year ago. Nebraska's going into, what do they call it, the woodshed there? And yeah, Michigan State yeah. was supposed to handle them and all that. And, and Nebraska just flat out outplayed Michigan State except for the wayward punt. You know, and and I and I get the sense that there's kind of that October time of year when Nebraska, uh, with the last couple of wins, I think there's a spirit there that has not been there for a long time, and it's not a manufactured one either. I think we we, we kind of bought into that there was this spirit, you know, with with Scott's program the last couple of years wanting there to be one, and a couple of times we would see that most notably last year at Michigan State where it just seemed like everything was coming together. I don't think anything is manufactured with what Mickey has done to inject his personality, um, his purpose, his passion, all of those things into this football team. So I, I think I can see this team going into West Lafayette, you know, feeling pretty good about itself and not feeling pressure. And, and you know, things went reasonably well other than the win-loss um, against Michigan State. I could see Nebraska playing well enough to win this game. And I really think Nebraska is an enigma right now to the conference. You had Tom Chattel on last week uh, from mm -hmm. the Hale Varsity Club, and Tom talked about how uh, – you and I talked about this as well uh, – all the coaches in the conference pretty much didn't like Scott very much. I, I would very much doubt that people don't find Mickey enjoyable to listen to 
I, I think that they, there's probably a lot of respect for what he's done to get to where he is. I would think that there's, you know, some guys that are going to be across the field from him that respect it and kind of hope that, you know what, I hope this guy does get the chance at Nebraska and he's likable. And, but they also are thinking, we really don't know what we're going to, they might bust out in a Mickey Joseph style option tomorrow. Who knows? And I, I just think Nebraska, those coaches are like, we don't know what we're going to see just yet. And we don't really know how to prepare the way we used to know how to prepare for Scott's teams based on scheme or just based on the fact that we can look at their body language and think, you know what, we could, we could knock them down early and knock them out. Yeah, there's absolutely, uh, they are differently coached right now going into this. Bill, hang on if you can, bud. Uh, we'll continue this. Hale Varsity Club is where we're located today. Roadshow Friday in La Vista. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. Brady Oltman's going to join the roundtable uh, from West Lafayette. And then Claus Byrne at 540 at Hale Varsity presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity. We are presented by Currency here at the Hale Varsity Club. Bill Dolman in his Husker Den, Elijah Herbal commandeered back to the studio, and Brady Oltman's is in West Lafayette. Are you in West Lafayette, or are you on the outskirts of West Lafayette, Brady? Thanks for the time. Yeah, um, a little inside baseball. We're actually staying in Chicago tonight, and then, and then we are headed to West Lafayette tomorrow. And I think because it's a night game, they're going to um, shoo it to the press box early. So we're just going to write uh, from the car and come back to Chicago so we can fly out in the morning. So it's going to most of, most of the time we'll be in Chicago and just like uh, – game day atmosphere stuff will be in West Lafayette. Okay, I like that. Bill, any recommendations in Chicago? Elijah, any recommendations for, for Brady? Go to Gibson's. That's my take. Lou Malnati's Pizza? I mean, I, I, I wanted to bring up first for those of us that are following along with us on our live stream, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, and uh, the Hale Varsity Twitter page at HVarsity Radio. Brady's wearing a beautiful soccer jersey. I need to get a, a look at, at what the crest is there. Oh, it's Red Stars. Ooh. The uh, Chicago Red Stars represent. <laughs> you know, he's got I a was, glazed over look. He's got no idea. Well, I, no, I was just think it was the other big red army, and they're not really cool to, to, to be wearing their gear this time of year. Uh, <laughs> that's just my thought. Bill, any, any thoughts here on food or communism? Does <laughs> that wear a shirt that says Beijing on it? Um, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm just glad that, that he's not staying in Gary. I, I think that's the that's the, the wise move. <laughs> oh, don't, don't go out after dark. No. Well, here's the thing in Gary. It looked like you were driving into hell when you when you enter into Gary as you travel, because there's all those giant smokestacks and then there's fire burning and. I'm sure Joe Jackson was around the corner ready to put a whooping on somebody. Uh, so uh, that, that, that one song, I can't remember which musical it's from, the Gary, Indiana song, Complete Lie. That place is, no offense to the, the people of Gary, Indiana, I, I more feel sorry for you. Like that, There's like tarps on roofs and like all these things that I was not expecting to see the first time I drove through Gary, Indiana. I was expecting like an American wonderland, and it was not. No, no. <laughs> well, and, and then there's the, uh, the admission from Elijah about musical knowledge. So... Uh, <laughs> quiet on that one. <laughs> it's also problematic. Uh, so, Brady, 
Brady, we'll start with you. Bill will follow. Uh, so vibe coming into this, Brady, uh, you've been around the team quite a bit this week. And, uh, well, we'll start with the number, 13 and a half, 14 points. Uh, does Nebraska keep it close, in your opinion, or is Purdue just too much right now as you, you look at the body of work with this Nebraska team? Um, well, I was, who was I talking with? I think it was Eric Francis, our photographer, just on the, the drive between the airport and here. Um, it's weird to say the phrase like this tough Purdue team, and it would be an upset for Nebraska, you know, to, to even keep it close because for so long, many Husker fans just saw Purdue as a, you know, a knockover game or something. But this is a tough team, and it will take a full effort for Nebraska to get close. Now, having said that, Purdue is banged up. Um, I make sure, make sure I say it right. Um, King Doru, one of their running backs, mm-hmm. the top guy out, is going to be a game-time decision. He's missed the last four games. Their top cornerback uh, is on an indefinite leave uh, for mental health issues. Uh, the OC brothers, one of their other deep defensive backs, is out. They're going with six healthy offensive linemen right now that they're comfortable playing to fill five spots. Uh, and then you've got um, Dylan Downing, uh, one of their other running backs is out with a foot injury. So it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be kind of a, a mop squad and a, uh, you know, not their full health team going up against them. Aiden O'Connell's still gonna be quarterback. So they're still gonna be tough, you know, in, in the big spots. But if, if you're Nebraska, you gotta be able to, to square up against kind of this banged up Purdue team and take advantage of it before a bye week. You know, Bill, it's, Nebraska's not exactly uber healthy either, but, you know, Reimer and Newsom did travel, so you expect him to play. And, and we get back to that offensive line. Uh, you know who I'm looking at, and what's your take on this? Uh, Caleb Tanner, uh, what, what Bill Bush has done for him, and, and Elijah, you pointed this out earlier in the week, kind of a Micah Parsons rule where they're just lining them up. It's not necessarily always outside, but on some stunts and some loops on the inside, you saw some nice pressure up the middle where Caleb was able to use some of his uh, his athleticism and, and put some pressure on the quarterback. That's going to be big, man, is, is getting O'Connell to move his spot. I mean, the best way I can describe with what they're doing with Caleb Tanner is they're just using him to cause chaos, to wreak havoc. You got the outside rushers that are beating the tackles and Caleb Tanner that are just throwing anywhere and just say, hey, go wreak havoc. We don't care if you, you go sack the quarterback. Just collapse the pocket and make the offense have to think. Make Aiden O'Connell, whoever the quarterback is, have to think. This is reminding me a little bit of the – Ed Stewart moved back in the early 90s yeah, when the good work. made its, made its uh, defensive adjustments that took, you know, uh, took opponents by surprise for basically an entire season and then established Nebraska's uh, de- defensive dominance. And not just Ed Stewart, that's the most notable one because that was the scheme change. But, you know, Toby Wright back in the day and uh, Terrell Farley, who I think is, you know, arguably the greatest defensive player in Nebraska history. I know that I'm willing to argue with about anybody with Grant and the Peter brothers and all that. But Terrell Farley had a knack for not necessarily lining up in the right place, but always being in the right place, <laughs> making himself be in the right. I mean, it was just uncanny just how instinctive of a defensive player he was. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. See ball, hit ball, hit hard when you get there. And so if that's the plan with Tanner, like it was with Ed Stewart, great, then that's a great schematic move by Bill Bush and company. 
if it's you have just a couple of great athletes like uh, Toby Wright was, who was such a hard hitter, and Terrell Farley, who just completely made, they just made plays. Wherever they were, they ended up where they were supposed to be. And, you know, maybe that's what it is with, with Tanner right now. And it's, it's, and again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Nebraska's an enigma. What are they doing? In two weeks, they've got to adjust to Mickey's style of play, the spirit, the schemes, all of those things. And whatever they saw against Northwestern, Georgia Southern, that's out the window now. You can only go on what you saw in Indiana and Rutgers. It's Bill Dolman with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Hale Varsity Club, uh, Roadshow Friday, Elijah Herbal, Brady Oltman's in Chicago on his way to West Lafayette. Uh, Brady, do you have a, an answer or an idea for Nebraska to get the run game going? Because that's also part of this equation for a win tomorrow. Um, it's, <laughs> You're like, it's, get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one if you got one. Um, it's, it sounds like they'd like their game plan. I mean, Rutgers, I don't want to say it was an anomaly, but they really schemed out Nebraska and had a way of isolating that. Of course, they stopped Ohio State. And if you can stop Ohio State on the ground, you, you know, kudos to you. So I think they're really going to try to test it a little bit more. Um, I, I can't imagine that they're going to let Anthony Grant go with that few touches um, and trying to pound the rock twice in a row. Um, I could see Yant getting a couple more touches, um, especially you know between the tackles. But I'd, especially knowing just the condition of the Purdue secondary and defense, trying to spread them out a little bit more, doing some of those sideline throws, maybe getting Grant still active in the pass game. Uh, just in order to free up some space to get him some more yards on the ground and keep him honest, I, I would just be a little surprised if um, they don't make gains in the in the run game this week. I think, Nebraska, I think Nebraska is a is a four to twelve yard offense, and what I mean by that is try to get four yards a carry, and or more, but four yards a carry, and your pass plays are going to be quicker so that Thompson doesn't get beat up. And then make your pass plays be anywhere from, you know, four yard outs and, and let the, the receivers, you know, get some extra yards after catch. Or you run those 12 yard patterns. You don't have to throw bombs to to uh, Palmer and Washington all the time. You know, if you've got third down and six, run an eight yard pattern. Those guys are good enough to go to run it, to get to the sticks and make the catch. They don't have, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Nebraska's got great receivers right now with great hands, great instinct. So, you don't have to stretch the field, and, and Casey has to stand in the pocket for five seconds and run for his life or get hit. If he if he can, um, you know, get those quick outs or those quick passes over the middle to Volkolek, you know, that's going to move the sticks for Nebraska four to twelve yards at a pop. Well, Bill, on the other hand, though, I do feel like it's almost the dichotomy of the fact that. The wide receivers, guys like Washington and Palmer, they excel in stretching the field and going deep, where that's not the strength of this offensive line and this, this the quarterback. I mean, let, let's face it, Casey Thompson, I don't think is much of an upgrade on what Adrian Martinez brought you with the deep ball. He, he's inconsistent at best in the deep ball, and the deep ball is the hardest throw in football, um, especially whenever you're behind that Nebraska offensive line. But I, I think it comes down to picking and choosing when you're going to have those shot plays because you need to have the ability to take the top off a of defense if you want to open up those rushing lanes. If you want to be able to bring a second safety up high and, and force these guys to play cover two all day long, you're opening up rushing lanes for yourself. Well, yeah, you're not going to throw 71-yard touchdown passes all the time, but if you if you do enough uh, four to twelve yards, eventually that breaks. But you yeah you can't send Palmer on a fly pattern 
uh, and hope that he hauls in a 71-yard touchdown like he did against Indiana. But if you keep it with, you know, four to 12-yard routes and four to 12-yard run plays, and you maintain possession of the ball three to four minutes at a time, field goals and touchdowns, you're going to take Purdue out of its game. And then when you got the chance to pop one big with one of those guys who's got speed and great hands, you're you're going to break it, and that's how you're going to that's how you can win the game. But yeah, you can't send them on fly patterns all the time. Well, while we're on the topic, really fast, when you jump ahead, Brady, do you think we see Tommy Hill utilized as a wide receiver this game? He warmed up there last game. We never saw him on the field. Do we think we actually see him on the field as a guy who can take the top off the defense? Um, he practiced there all week. Uh, coaches seem to have a spot lined up for him. I don't, I, I don't know if he'll get the ball, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he lines up and we see him run a couple of routes out there. Guys, uh, red zone is going to be critical. Nebraska has been fabulous under Whipple. 15 out of 18, 15 touchdowns, one field goal. Uh, Purdue, 96% conversion in the red zone. 84% of that is touchdown. So that's going to be your situational football. Uh, Brady Oltman's in Chicago en route to West Lafayette. Brady, before we say goodbye, thanks for jumping on and taking time, as always, on a Friday with us. Brady with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Read him and his postgame for sure. Real quick, a, a thought here uh, on what happens. Do you have a lean one way or the other? It's just a tough matchup, you know, um, as, as banged up as Purdue is and um, the couple of game-time decisions that they have. Nebraska also has a couple game-time decisions and guys that they'd really like to have back. Uh, but it's, it's one of those, those gut-check games where even if Nebraska doesn't pull it out but you're able to get within striking distance, that's something that, I mean, Purdue played – Purdue's two losses came to teams that haven't lost yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that they were within a combined four points of those games. It's they're a good team, and I think if Nebraska can find a way to scrap its way within anything of Purdue, it's going to be tight. Brady, we'll check in with you. Thanks for the time today. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Thank you, Kramer. We continue here at the Hale Varsity Club. Huskers and Penn State will be on every screen here for you. Also, some Major League Baseball playoff action mixed in over 30 HDs here. And we're talking stuff that needs to be in my basement. We're talking uh, 75, 85-inch TVs and then the monster projector right above the bar. Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. The pride of Fairbury, the professor Bill Dolman with us, Elijah Herbal. Back at our ESPN studios, 
uh, we're streaming, and it is a prediction Friday. So Matt has chimed in, says Nebraska 28-20. Jeff says Nebraska 27-24. Brennan says Nebraska by a field goal 24-21. Bleak Road with the 43-yard game winner. Let's get to the Friday forecast uh, without any further ado. And rumor has it he's driving a gold Trans Am with uh, a bag full of cash in the back. We say hi to Clausburn as he's uh, down in SMU country paying tribute. Claus, how we doing? I'm doing okay. Like you mentioned, I am in Dallas tonight. I thought I'd come down and see if Tom Landry was available to coach, but it turns out I'm a little bit behind on that. It was so unexpected. But in fairness to me, OJ played for the Bills, so how was I to know? (laughs) There we have it. Uh, (laughs) uh, How long's Tom Landry been gone, bless his soul? Bill, any idea? I'd give it 20 plus. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Let's dive into the forecast. Some Big Ten matchups. A lot of undefeated ball games. Uh, we start off, though, with the Pig Farmer because Illinois is ranked for the first time since 2011. Minnesota minus six and a half at Illinois. I will jump into the pool first. Uh, I know Minnesota is good. I know they have Ibrahim back. I think the, uh, the defense of Illinois is, is that good, that real. Eight points a ball game. Lovey has always recruited physically. And Bielema, uh, no doubt, is really good at defense. He put those two factors together in year two with a little momentum, and it's too much Illinois at home. That place will actually be cranked up. They'll probably sell out of Dos Equis and uh, give me Illinois uh, 20-17. But uh, Illinois gets the win outright. I think this spreads a little funny. Minnesota's good, but Illinois too much at home. Elijah. Well, yeah, there are some funky spreads this weekend. This is one of them. Kansas is a nine-point underdog to Oklahoma. That's funky to me. Iowa State's a 17-point underdog to Texas, and I know we can't get into all these games, but funky line seems to be the theme of the week in college football this weekend. I'm with you, Schmitty. Six and a half seems like too much. I do think Minnesota win it, uh, but I think it's going to be a very close game. Give me the Golden Gophers 21 and the Fighting Line 20. A close, hard-fought victory for P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. Okay, we're going uh, opposite ends here. Bill Dolman, be the tiebreaker. What happens here between Illinois and Minnesota? I think uh, Bielema has it going on at Illinois. I think they've taken on his uh, persona, his personality, and I think they're pretty tough. I don't like the fact that Minnesota lost at home to Purdue when they had all that hype on them. And I think it'll be low scoring, and I think Illinois will win outright. I'll say 20 to 17 as well. Claus, what happens here? Illinois hosting Minnesota. Well, rumor has it that uh, Mr. Bielema might be a little bit distracted on account of Iowa's trying to hire his Hawkeye tattoo to run their offense because, let's face it, can't get any worse. That said, <laughs> I'll take 90% of Burt Bielema over 100% of P.J. Fleck any day. Illinois 27 <clears throat> and Minnesota 17. That is Clonsburn moving on from Minnesota, Illinois, Penn State, Michigan. Uh, Penn State's unbeaten. This is a a bit of a prove-it game. It's been a while since Penn State's won a a big ball game. They've been really good, but it's been uh, pretty fleeting. 
with uh, the big matchups. Michigan's minus seven. Michigan looks a little more human after the Maryland game. I think Michigan wins uh, just because of their run game and O-line. And I think the defense gets after uh, Clifford just enough to to be a difference maker. I think Penn State covers, though. 27-24, Michigan the win. Elijah. Uh, I will say that I am have been unimpressed with this Michigan team this season for where they're ranked. I think they're a good football team. I think they're worthy of top 25 praise. Nothing I've seen from them this year shows me they're ready for, for top five you know, college football playoff contender. I think Penn State's going to put a scare into them this weekend, and I'm actually going to pick Penn State to win here just so I can be on the bold side of things. If I was betting this game, I don't think I'd bet the uh, the Penn State money line if it was actually my money, if you know what I'm saying. But because it's just a radio show and this is for bragging rights, I'm going to take Penn State outright in this one, 28-24 to 24 over the Michigan Wolverines. All right, Bill Dolman, Michigan or Penn State, you hate both, I would think. Uh, you know, I, I still think Mich- I think Michigan thinks that what they did last year has elevated them to some mm-hmm. status that they can just can, that their that their back is a perennial power. But that said, I think that they're at, because they're at home. I like them. Penn State has gotten so much mileage off of going on the road and winning at Auburn, who is awful and is tanking. But everybody every week they talk about what Penn State did at Auburn. Okay, that was like a month ago now. Auburn is terrible, and, and you're right. Penn State always has those games about the middle of the year, and they're five and zero, or they're six and one, and then they get thumped. And oftentimes that's at home when they play play somebody tough. But I like Michigan at home in this one. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points. I think this is a, a 17-16 Michigan win. Oh wow, it's a tight one, uh, which is fine. Claus, what happens here? Penn State or Michigan? Well, I'll be honest, I, I really haven't paid too much attention to Penn State this year. Uh, not for any moral reasons or anything like that, but apparently if a guy won all of his games in 1994 and then looked the other way in matters of Penn State football, their fans will clamor to build you a statue in Happy Valley. So that's what I'm aiming for is my statue. I'll take Michigan in this one, 28, and Penn State 21. All right, there he has it. It uh, is now time to talk SEC, Bama, Tennessee. I think Jalen may give it a go at quarterback. I don't like Bama's defense at this point, but they're going to keep getting better. Tennessee's good. They cover... I think they win outright 31-24. Give me the Vols, Elijah. I think with Bryce Young at quarterback, I do think Bryce Young gives it a go. I think he's the difference. This uh, this Tennessee environment is what a lot of people are talking about. Well, Alabama already experienced a similar environment with Texas earlier this season. I don't think that's going to phase them. I see them putting up a lot of points on Saturday, a lot of points in total. Give me Alabama 49. Give me Tennessee 38. Uh, Bill, what do you say here? I think uh, Bryce Young is uh, the 28-point swing in this game. If he doesn't play, I could see Tennessee winning by 14. If he does play, I could see Alabama winning by more than 14. And while you may not like Alabama's defense, those dudes are fast. And I don't think Tennessee has faced a defense that fast that can track people down uh, at all this. I think Tennessee's a nice team. And let's face it, I'd love to see a hooker win the Heisman. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Alabama's defense is going to cause all kinds of problems because they have just not faced that speed this year. And if Young plays, uh, I think Alabama wins this fairly comfortably and CBS will be miserable. I think 42-14 if he plays. 
Claus, hang on. Uh, we'll get your take on Bryce Young in Tennessee and Bama and the Nebraska prediction next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Friday forecast, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Bill Dolman is in with us, and then the uh, imaginary red-wearing Clausburn is uh, is joining us as well. Big thanks to Bruce and his lovely wife for popping by and uh, hanging out. Uh, Claus, uh, we will kick it back to you to lead us off here to round out the show here on the forecast. And Bryce Young, the game-time decision, Bama favored by seven. What say you against Tennessee? Well, I'll call back to Bill, and I agree. It'd be great to see a hooker get the Heisman. <laughs> Much better than what they usually get, which is penicillin. So I'm in favor of that. Wow. Listen, I think Alabama's going to win, but it is not be good for something besides the failed premise of Christopher's best pickup line. I'll say Bama 35 and Tennessee 24. All right, we moved the Nebraska line is at 13 and a half. Nebraska underdog at Purdue. I have gone back and forth on this. Uh, I originally this morning on KFOR said Purdue 37, Nebraska 21. The question is, can Nebraska get it to the fourth quarter? And I just got a weird feeling. You got a weird feeling that that Nebraska continues to play with some house money. I'm doing a 180 from this morning, and I'm going to say Nebraska 28, Purdue 27. Nebraska finds a way to win, outright cover, and uh, give me a little bit more uh, Kool-Aid, I guess, uh, with Mickey and company. Elijah. 13 is a steep, steep line. I don't think Purdue covers that 13-point line, but I do think they get close. I have Purdue winning this football game, and it comes down to the fact that I don't think Nebraska's offensive line is good enough uh, to to really match what this Purdue offense is going to bring to the football field on Saturday night. So uh, with that in mind, I have this game being pretty close throughout. Uh, Purdue doesn't run away with it, but the, the final score does not indicate how close the game actually is. Give me Purdue 27, Nebraska 14. A 13-point win for Purdue, but that is not a cover. It's close. Elijah, you're going with your, uh, your head, and uh, that's probably uh, accurate. Bill, what happens here? Do you like Purdue? Do you like Nebraska? I've gone back and forth on this one. I, I, I This morning I thought, you know, Nebraska, you know, probably like a, a hundred – and one to three and then this afternoon i was thinking like 99 to four so i'm just gonna go like right in the middle and you know uh 101 to five nebraska okay nebraska with the uh, the win and they hit the century mark god love you bill that's uh pretty good i'm gonna order a shot and a beer give me give me a boiler maker uh for seabass's sake on the horn. Claus, what say you, bud? Well, listen, I, I know the defense is vulnerable in areas that produce offense is strong. And I realize that our offensive line looks like five matadors that we ordered off of wish.com. 
but I just can't take a university seriously that's named after a brand of chicken thighs. So <laughs> I'm going to take Nebraska to win this one 24 and Purdue 23. 24-23, Claus with the one-point win for the Big Red. Claus, thank you for the time today. Okay. Bill Dolman, pride of Fairbury. Be good, buddy. All right, see you guys. Go Big Red. All right, weekend edition tomorrow, 3 to 5 in the afternoon. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranach. We'll talk to you then. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.